So how you doing? I'm doing all right, and I'm very excited. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been as excited as an encounter worship set as that. Okay? Is, is God not awesome or what? Come on now. Come on now. Okay? We are no longer the rigor mortis cafe. We had a worship experience. Okay? Thank you, worship team, so much. Thank you, Chris. Welcome Chris back. Okay? Chris is a longtime friend of ours, and we just want to welcome Chris back, and uh, we just love him, and so I'm just so grateful. My name's Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. It is an excitable bunch tonight. I like that. I want to welcome everyone online, our online campus. we got friends from Illinois, uh, friends from Kentucky and all over the country. I want to welcome uh, everyone out. A special shout out to Vicki tuning in tonight, one of our dear, dear friends from Illinois. I just want to welcome everyone back to our series. Uh, last week, we, uh, we talked about the finished work of Christ. I'm going to pray real quick. I just feel that we just need to take a deep breath and pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for, just as Chris said, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do to earn your love. Uh, you, don't want, you don't want religion. You want a relationship. And I don't want religion. We don't want religion. We want a relationship. And there's nothing we can do to earn that. Uh, thank you for loving us first. And thank you for demonstrating your love to this day. You always demonstrate your love. And you're relentless. So, Father, I just pray that uh, you would speak to us through your word. And I just pray you would give us listening ears. I pray that your word would not come back void. It would accomplish everything you intended it to do. And I just pray that everyone would be encouraged to live out what we're going to speak about tonight, trusting and responding my response to the finished work of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I just want to tell you, before I get into this talk, uh, it's been a crazy fun day. Uh, just cooking for you guys. Just love that. Thank you, Bob, for helping me out today. But I, I, just, uh, I just want to tell you, this talk, you get this talk. If this talk gets into your spirit, you get what I'm going to be speaking about tonight. You're going to change. You're going to have victory in your life. It'll change your life forever. So I want you to be thinking about that. Because last week we talked about the finished work of Christ, looking at the last public statement that Jesus made on the cross when he yelled out, to telestai. It's a Greek word. In English it's translated as, it is finished, or paid in full. And we learned that to telestai, this is very important, is in the perfect tense in Greek. I want you to think about that for the whole, for the rest of the talk. That's significant because the perfect tense speaks of an action that has been completed in the past with results continuing into the present. It's different from the past tense that says this happened. The present tense adds the idea that this happened, but it's still in effect today. And when Jesus yelled out to Telestai, it's still in effect today. When he said it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past, it's finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. I, want you, I just need you to, to know that and get that concept throughout the rest of this talk and apply it to your life because Jesus paid our sin debt. What kind of debt? Well, a debt you couldn't pay. On top of that, he took care of the written code death sentence that the law placed over our heads. Did you know that? You had a death sentence. You were already declared guilty. 
by the law. We looked at Colossians last week, chapter 2, 13 through 15. It says, he forgave us all of our sins. How many of our sins? All of them. Even Myra's. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he did what? He took it away. That's that written code under the law with its regulations. It stood against us and it stood opposed to us. He did what? He took it away. How did he take it away? Nailing it to the cross. Not only did he do that, this is the bonus plan, he disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Here's what that means. It was at the cross where Jesus disarmed all the powers of hell and not only, not only defeated Satan's best plan, but he made a public spectacle of that plan, openly triumphing over that plan. He made an open display, an open display for all the world to see of the ineffectiveness of the enemy's best plan against his life, his mission, and our life. And that's what our lives are supposed to represent. Our lives are to be an open display of the ineffectiveness of the enemy's best plan against our lives. Our lives are to be a reflection of the victory that was on that cross. When he yelled out to Telestai, paid in full, it is finished. And here's what that means. Your lives are supposed to represent that victory. Your lives are supposed to represent what Jesus did on that cross. You're supposed to be walking in power. You're supposed to be walking in victory. Here's what this means. In other words, he took away the right of every sin, every stronghold, every addiction, every hurt, habit, and hang-up to rule any longer in my life and in your life. See, friends, sin had a, had a right to rule in my life before Christ came into my life. Sin lawfully held me. Drugs, alcoholism, bitterness lawfully held me. Sexual addiction, fear, insecurity, drugs... The list is endless. It lawfully held me. But when Christ forgave me, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit within me, Christ breaks the dominion and power of sin in my life and gives me the victory in Jesus' name. And he does that for you. He openly displays their inability, their inability to rule and reign any longer by setting his people free. That's the open display if you've never heard of what the open display means in your life. And God wants you to know tonight that the battle's already won. And nobody and nothing in all creation can keep that reality from your life. You're a victor, not a victim. The victory's already been won. It's done. It's already settled. Are you willing to believe it and are you willing to walk in it? That's my question for you tonight. See, when Jesus said to Telestai, it was a declaration. I'm not yelling. I'm just excited. <laughs> I'm just really excited tonight about this stuff. This whole lesson tonight is the essence of what we believe and what we teach and encounter. You won't find this at any recovery place. You'll only find this in God's word by the power of God. This is what recovery, discipleship, freedom in Christ looks like. This is the stuff I'm talking about tonight. When Jesus said to Telestai, it was a declaration to the world. 
that whoever would trust and accept what he did on the cross, that that person would have the same power to disarm the powers and authorities too. That's our right. That's our inheritance. See, after the cross, sin will no longer have a hold on you. You are supposed to have a hold on sin. You'll have a hold on it, and you'll have the power to overcome sin in your life. We took a, a quick look at Encounter Signature Verse from Anchor 3. should be up on the screens, Galatians 2.20. I have been, this is the Apostle Paul, crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Guys, girls, kids, countrymen, you should let that verse soak over you. You should let that be a life verse for you. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. So tonight we're going to talk about how to live the crucified life and have victory over sin. Sound like a good topic? Thanks for asking. Yes, it will be a good topic. But this is not an easy talk. It really isn't an easy talk. Nor is it an easy concept to grasp for a lot of reasons. I'm going to talk about a few of those reasons. How do I live out the crucified, finished work of Christ if something's already been accomplished on my, half, on my behalf and I try and do what's already been done? That sounds frustrating, doesn't it? I mean, what do I need to do if something's already been done? Because if I try and do something that's already been done, I can't accomplish it because it's finished, right? So here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that most of what you think you need to do has already been done. That's really good news. There's a lot of people that always do, 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 do. You know, they're like the Energizer Bunny Rabbit. What do I got to do next? Go to this meeting. Go to that meeting. I got to go to a meeting. I got to go to another meeting. Why don't I go to another meeting? Boy, I'll get better someday. These meetings will really make me better, won't they? No, they won't. Okay? Unless the truth is being preached and the power of God is there and the presence of God is there and you apply that truth to your life. So here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is most of what you think you need to do has been done. The bad news is that in order to live the crucified life and respond to the finished work of Christ, you're going to have to respond to a word, one word and one issue that most people don't want to deal with, and that's the issue of sin in your life. You've got to deal with it. When it comes to our sins, we tend to have selective hearing, don't we? And for some of you, freedom is standing right in front of you. It's been there for months, been there for weeks, been there for years. And you don't even know it because you can't hear or see the good news of Jesus Christ because of your sins. For whatever reason, you're open to hearing anything about God. You'll come to a meeting. You'll come to a, a church service. You'll come to an encounter. And you'll, you'll be open to listening to anything and everything except someone addressing your personal, dark, secret secret, secret sins that no one else knows about. Your selective hearing will make you hear things that you think you heard, but not what you really heard. Sin will do that to your life. But for many of us, it's important that we hear loud and clear that our problems come from one place and one place alone, and that's from sin. I'm talking about your past, present, and future sins. And we learned last week, here's, the good, here's more good news for you, Jesus took care of those. When he said to tell us that. He took care of all of our sins. Past, present, and future. Here's other sins you need to address. The sin that you were born into. You were born into. When you were born into this world. 
You were born into sin, thanks to Uncle Adam from Adam and Eve. You're born into a sinful world. You were born with a sin nature. You've got to address that. The Bible refers it to, refers it as your old nature or your sinful nature or your old self. More good news. Jesus took care of that on the cross as well. And then there's other sins. There's sins of others. Have you been affected by sins of other people? Have they wreaked havoc on your life? You've got to deal with those to walk free. And then there's your ongoing battle against sin, which is your old nature, your old patterns in your life, that even though they were crucified, someone forgot to tell them that they're not wanted anymore. And they, they tend to show up on the front door of your mind and your heart, your emotions, even after you crucified them. And the problem with having selective hearing when it comes to sin is that it can easily turn into a trap where you intentionally abuse and misrepresent the grace of God in your life. You'll think that everything is about grace. Grace, 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 but no truth. And even though Jesus said all is forgiven for salvation purposes to enter into his kingdom of heaven, the question is, does that give us a green light to continue to sin knowing one day God's going to forgive us anyway? Why not do whatever I want since God's a God of love? He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God, God of kindness, God of compassion. This is the mindset of many followers. It's a sentimental ministry. It's a sentimental church. A loving God is going to forgive everyone, including me, because of, of what? My selective hearing. Because I love my sins so much, God's going to change his mind when he sees me face to face, won't he? God's going to change the rules when he sees me because I'm fairly a good person. I'm not as bad as others. This is a mindset. Not only a lot of people, but even churches. This brings us to more good news and bad news. It's more good than bad. The good news is that when we talk about the crucified life in Christ and responding to the finished work of Christ, we're talking about crucifying those sins. We're talking about crucifying your flesh, crucifying your old nature. We're talking about living under what's called the grace umbrella empowered by the Holy Spirit which gives you power over all the sin in your life. That's the answer. Problem is, it takes a while to explain how that happens in your life. We're talking about how to die to yourself, crucify your old life, and experience the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead on a regular basis in your life. If you're not living that way, you're not living you're still dead. You're not having victory. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is for us. It's available to us, and it's for us. The bad news about tonight is, is that it would take too long to cover all the scriptures that you need to know to live out, to live this out in order for this life and change to happen in one evening. So I've got to be at a men's thing tomorrow, so we're going to go till 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, tonight. Are you with me? No, no, we'll be out of here in 20 minutes. Okay. What every follower of Christ should know, should study, should read, should apply, and know inside out are some of the passages I'm going to share tonight, but I can't, I can't share them all. You need to... People who 
who abuse God's grace, who cheapen God's grace, who think that God's going to change the rules for them, I guarantee you there's one book that they never read, and that's the book of Romans. And you need to know the book of Romans inside out, especially chapters 5 through 8 and chapter 12. You need to know what those five chapters have to say about sin, grace, discipleship, how to live by the Spirit, how to be empowered by the Spirit, and how to have victory over sin in your life. I can't cover it all tonight. I just can't. You need to know what the book of Galatians has to say in chapters 2, 3, 5, and 6 about what it says about the power of the Holy Spirit in relationship to your sins, having power and living the fruitful life for Jesus Christ, the crucified life in Jesus Christ. Now, there are many other foundational scriptures that you need to have embedded in your heart, in your mind, and your soul to live out this crucified life in Christ, trusting in his finished work. You need to know what the book of Ephesians has to say about this life, especially in chapter 1 and 2, especially in chapters 4 about putting off the old self, putting on the new self. You need to know what the book of Colossians has to say about what Christ has done. You need to know what Jesus said in the Last Supper in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. You need to know that. You need to have that in your heart so that you know how to respond to Jesus, how to to love him back when he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. You need to know why he said that and what it means to love him back. You need to know all those things so that you can live the empowered, crucified life in Christ and know, the and, and here's another suggestion, okay? Anything that Jesus said is probably a good thing to know. I would get a red-letter Bible, and that's, a red-letter Bible is just the words of Jesus in red as compared to what else is written. And so we can't cover it all tonight. But if you look at the teachings of Jesus, you look at the Apostle Paul, and we're going to be mainly looking at the words of the Apostle Paul tonight. We can't cover it all tonight, but we are going to focus on the highlights. That's the bad news. It's going to take too long. But the good news is that you can study these scriptures on your own. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to do a Bible study on the book of Romans in, in the summer uh, in addition to our encounter studies that are going on. You do that. You study all those scriptures, you're going to have a great life. Not just study them, but believe them, receive them, and apply them to your life. Paul's whole life, once he was saved, could be be titled like this. He lived what's called the crucified life in Christ. That could be a title for his life. The crucified life with Christ, in Christ. Because they both go hand in hand. Because Because of Paul's relationship with Christ, Paul was able to attest and convince others that Christ lived in him through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we are truly in Christ, then Christ lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And throughout the scriptures that I just referenced, the Apostle Paul, now, and he, watch this now, this is very careful, identifies every follower of Christ in Christ through all that Christ did for us. He identifies every follower of Christ in Christ, and through all that Christ did for us. In other words, when Jesus yelled out to Telestai in the perfect tense, it's still in effect today, and it'll still be in effect tomorrow. And he identifies all followers like the finished work of Christ. Not of who you're trying to become, but who God calls you. 
And that's a huge, huge concept to wrap your mind around, and I'm going to try and do it for the rest of the talk. In other words, if you're a follower of Christ, you're identified as a follower who not only trusts in the finished work of Christ, but now you are identified as one who has experienced what Christ has done. You're one who is identified as a person who has experienced what Christ has done. You may not feel like it, but this is how you're identified as. Paul identifies followers with Christ in his finished work. If you follow, if you keep in notes, you got fill in the blanks. There's four, four concepts in this scripture that I'm going to read in Romans 6, 1 through 11. It's a long scripture, but, I've, but, but this is, I've got to share this tonight. And these are four, four concepts that the Apostle Paul identifies followers of Christ with in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his life. Paul identifies all followers in those four categories. Look what it says in Romans 6, 1 through 11. Well then, Paul, by the way, starts out by addressing this issue of abusing God's grace. Because this was an issue back in the church. Church of Corinth, really wild at the time. Romans 6, 1 through 11. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, that's that death. Notice that he's identifying followers in his death. Since we have died to sin, how, we, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his what? Death. You're joined together in Christ in his death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. It says, for we died and were buried with Christ. That's that burial. See, when you get baptized, there's a death, burial, and resurrection that represents what Christ has done. And those are the three things I love to say when I baptize people, and by the way, we're doing baptisms next week, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we also may live new lives. I love this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. That's the resurrection. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its what? Power. In our lives, we are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died, there's that death again, with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we're also going to live with him. That's that resurrection again. Do you see death, burial, and resurrection in life being identified with us? Paul is identifying followers in those four concepts. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You no longer can say sin has power over your life if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Sorry, you just can't use it as an excuse anymore. Because you died to it. Paul is basically saying that our old life is gone and crucified. Sin lost its power over you, and you are now free from sin. 
If there was a death, burial, and resurrection that took place in your life, you are free from sin. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Since you have been raised, here's this new life, resurrection, to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So again, I, I just keep, I'm sorry for the redundancy, but I got to do this. Paul identifies all followers in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his life. He also identifies all followers in, in Jesus' ascension. This is important. Ephesians 2.6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So, so we, are, we are viewed as someone who has already been ascended, that not only has been ascended, but we, see, we are seated. I mean, I, everything in me just wants to leave this stage and go sit with my wife. I love sitting next to her. Okay? But I will tell you this. There's nothing like sitting next to God. And God views you as someone who's already been ascended that sits with him. That's how he looks at you. He identifies all followers in three, in his power. Ephesians 1, 17 through 20 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Because the Apostle Paul knew that, that people would have a hard time grasping the power of God. That's why. People would have a hard time grasping hope. People would have a hard time grasping resurrection power that lives inside of them. And that's why he wrote this letter. He says, I pray that your eyes, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and here it is, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Who's that power for? It's for us. It is for you. It is for everyone who believes. That power, here's a little description of that power. We're not talking about little bitty power here. We're not even talking about nuclear power. We're talking about the most powerful power that ever existed in the universe is going to live inside of you. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That power is for you. Resurrection power lives inside of you. It is for us. He then identifies followers in his inheritance. Don't worry. If you don't have a 401k plan, you got Ephesians 2.8, saved by grace, God plan, right here. You're in, you get an inheritance. Romans 8, 16 through 17 says, for his spirit, I love this, joins with our spirit, to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In other words, we are entitled to an inheritance. We're part of a royal family. We have an inheritance waiting for us. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. The Apostle Paul knew that when Jesus said to Telestai, it was in the perfect tense, which means it is still for today. In his crucified life, 
and in any follower of Jesus' life that he identifies as well. When Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ, he literally meant, I have been and I continue to be crucified with Christ. The eternal life Paul inherited and received that salvation was the eternal life of Christ, which included eternity past and included eternity future. Like Paul, we are identified with every aspect of Christ's eternal life because we are united with him. Do you get what I'm saying tonight? Do you get this? Here's what that means. We have been buried and raised to life in Christ. And a lot of you, a lot of you are thinking, well, when I die, God's going to raise me from the dead. You already have been raised from the dead because it, it's in the perfect tense. You're already raised from the dead. We have been united with Christ, not only in his death, but in his resurrected life. Jesus just didn't die for our sins. See, that's how a lot of us believe. I'm just going to be forgiven someday. He died for my sins. He just didn't die for your sins. He died so that you can live the abundant life because he said, I come, the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life and life to the full, life abundantly. And you always hear me say, if you're not living the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for, you're living underneath your privilege as a child of the one true king. So the mindset should be, here's your mindset, here's your thought process. If I die with Christ, then I live for Christ. Romans 6.6 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. The defeated follower tries to put the old self to death, but can't do it. Now why is that? Simple answer. You're already dead. You can't put your old self to death. It's already dead. You're already dead. D-E-D, dead. It's false reasoning. There's an A in there somewhere. It's false reasoning to ask, what do I have to do in order for this to be true? That's what everybody's asking. The only experience that was required happened 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus yelled out, to tell us die. And the only way we can enter and walk in this experience is by faith and not works because it has already been done. We cannot do for ourselves what Christ has already done. We don't make anything true by our experience. We believe that what God, has, what God has done and what he has said is true, period. When we choose to believe God and live accordingly by faith, then this truth becomes evident in our personal life and the way we live our lives. We don't do good things with the hope that someday God will love us. God loves us now, and because of how he loves us, that's why we do the good things that we do. That's why we follow his commands. That's why we make God's word the authority over our lives. That's why we submit to everything that this book says and everything the Holy Spirit says to our spirit. We don't combine works with our faith with the hope that someday God may accept us. God has already accepted us. And because of that acceptance, we do the good works, living a life of obedience, combining our faith with works. We don't work to get saved. It's because we're saved that we do the works that we do. What we do doesn't determine who we are. 
God has already determined who we are. And being a new creation in Christ, where the old is gone and the new has come, should determine what we do. As a follower, watch this now, when we choose to sin, we don't lose our identity or our salvation as a child of God. Just like a disobedient child would cease to become someone's daughter or son. And the cross reminds us that Christ defeated death and sin. And you have to combine both to grasp the magnitude of this unbelievable great accomplishment. And when you believe that, you can count yourself dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Counting ourselves dead to sin, watch this, does not make us dead to sin. We're already dead to sin because of the cross and our new life in Christ. And as we continue to believe this each and every day by faith, it starts becoming more evident in our experiences. You'll wake up every day trying to figure out ways to follow God, trying to figure out ways to be obedient to God. So the next time we get tempted, and you'll get tempted, you get tempted every day, every day, we can choose to believe the truth and say, I'm alive in Christ, and I'm dead to sin, and sin no longer has a hold on me, but I have a hold on sin. Temptation, I take, that, I take you, and whatever you're telling me right now, I take that thought captive in the name of Jesus Christ, and I make it obedient to Christ. Get behind me, Satan. It's important to know the difference when you do this, to live in victory every day, to know the difference between your old self your old nature compared to the new person in Christ. This is important. Listen, part of the reason why a lot of people never, never get well, a lot of people never get over that one signature thing that you've been working on all your life is that they can never fathom themselves getting healed because they can't get to the place where they can believe that God can change someone like them. Some of you are sitting here right now. Some of you are watching right now and say, you honestly don't believe that God can change someone like you. And I just want to tell you, you're right. God can't change someone like you. He won't change someone like you, which is why he calls you different than who you call yourself. See, God calls you somebody different, and if you believe who he calls you, that's the person he changes. See, he always calls you somebody different than who you call yourself. It's always important to know, and that's why identity is one of our key teachings around here that, that we teach you. Got to know who you are in Christ. See, once you realize who you really are, a child of the king, a daughter of the king, that you're accepted, secure, significant, you don't have to spend an entire lifetime trying to become somebody you already are, that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you're a daughter of the one true king. Once you know that and it gets into your system, it's only then and then alone that you can experience walking in that truth and be totally set free. And if you're experiencing anything less than that, you're not living. Paul put it this way. He says in Romans 6.6, 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. I keep on saying that. I keep on reading that. This was a decisive and definitive act in the believer's past. In Colossians 3, 7 through 10, Paul tells believers to stop living in the old sins of their past lives. Since they have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. He said this, you used to walk in those ways. You used to do those things. But now you have to rid yourself of those things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, 
filthy language from your lips, whatever it may be. He says, you've got to rid yourself of that. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Watch this. Did you catch that word renewed? That's a big key right there. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are you renewing your mind to these days? What are you letting wash over your mind? I don't know what you do, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe you watch The View, or maybe you're reading about God's view about your life. I don't know. Maybe you're looking at Facebook. Maybe you should be seeking his face in this book. As you renew your mind to the truth of God's word and believe it, receive it, make God's word the authority over your life, it'll change your life. He says this, do not lie to each other. He says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and you're putting on the new self. Paul makes a similar point in Ephesians. Remember I talked about Ephesians? He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new, here it is again, in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Stay with me on this. Romans 6 and Colossians, Paul clearly teaches a definitive past action that occurred the moment we were born again. When Jesus said, to tell us die, and we accepted what Jesus did on the cross for us. But in Ephesians 4, Paul tells us to apply a continuous action on our part to stop doing the things we did before we got saved. The old self was crucified with Christ, but as followers, we have to do our part in putting off the old self and put on the new self. Got to get dressed. I didn't have time to change today. Me and Bob were cooking. Bob makes some awesome mashed potatoes. I got to tell you that much. We were cooking. I didn't have time to change. I'm still... I didn't, I, didn't get, I didn't get a chance to put on my encounter outfit today. I got my UK, God's basketball team, outfit on today. Paul is not telling us to do for ourselves what Christ has already done. Paul is saying that we are new people in Christ who must become in practice what, what and who God has already declared us to be. We have to have the resolve to not let our former way of life, our past disappointments, our former pain, our current pain, get in the way of who we now are. In Galatians 3.27, Paul says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. The phrase clothe yourself is the same phrase put on. Here's what that means. You just got to put on Christ every day. When you wake up, you say, okay, God, I get dressed for you and with you. I'm putting Christ on today. I'm going to be an example for Christ. I'm not going to let anything defile this body I'm going to offer my body a living sacrifice. In view of the mercy of God, in view of God's mercy, I'm going to offer my body a living sacrifice before you, holy and pleasing as my spiritual act of worship. I'm not going to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, of my mind. Romans 13, 14, the Apostle Paul says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, as believers, you're not trying to become children of God. You are children of God. Children who are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. The more you reaffirm what Christ did for you on the cross, the more you're going to experience the life that he died for. 
the more you're going to experience victory. See, the evidence that you trust, listen to me very carefully. The evidence that you trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross is that you had an encounter. Not here, but you had an encounter at the cross. You had an encounter where your old life of sin was crucified. You crucified your past. You crucified your pain. You crucified your old nature. You crucified your mind. You crucified your desire to control other people, therefore playing God. You crucified your sins. You crucified your shame and guilt. You crucified your addictions, your habits, your eating disorder, your porn addiction, your codependency, your insecurities, your fears. You crucified your bitterness, your unforgiveness, your fears, your doubts. You crucified your life on the cross and believed by faith that all those things were nailed and buried and the only thing that came back to life is Christ crucified in you. The Apostle Paul said, for me, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is that you? Is that me? It has to be for us to live this crucified life. The key to living in freedom is trusting in the finished work of Christ for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, for your shame and guilt, for your pain, your past, and all your problems. You either trust in the finished work of Christ or you trust in yourself. And when you don't trust in the finished work of Christ, you'll try and accomplish things in your own strength and fail every time. You're either trusting in the finished work of Christ or you're trusting in your own willpower and your own self-righteousness. Galatians 2.20. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up now. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. That's it. That's it. I'm going to give you an invitation tonight to respond to the crucified life of Christ. You want to be resurrected? You want resurrection power? I'm going to give you an invitation to respond to the crucified life of Christ. Everyone bow their heads. Pray with me. Father, we receive what you did for us on the cross. When you yelled out to Telestai, paid in full, it is finished. My response, our response to the finished work of Christ is that we crucify everything that we are so that we can be resurrected new in Christ, full of your spirit, full of power, full of grace, full of wisdom, full of knowledge in a new and true identity accepted seen and viewed as someone who has experienced a death a burial a resurrection as someone who lives the life of Jesus someone identified as someone who's ascended to heaven that we're heirs to your throne, through your kingdom. We sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. We're identified as someone who has the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And Father, some of us are just not experiencing that power tonight. Because of sin. So Father, we repent of those sins. I repent of my sins. Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And we crucify those sins. We crucify our old nature. And we accept, we believe, receive, and we decide and choose tonight to walk in the new nature with new and right desires. We choose to die tonight so we can be made new and resurrected with a new life in Christ Jesus. I pray this for everyone here and for everyone who said that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.